0: Welcome to the Locked On Steelers podcast. I'm your host Chris Carter, bringing you your daily dose of all things on the Pittsburgh Steelers. It is Tuesday, May 18th. Unfortunately, it's not a Tony Tuesday because Tony Sereno is busy, but we still have a lot to talk about. First, we got some news from Adam Schefter that the Steelers were in the running to sign Ryan Kerrigan, the edge rusher from Washington, but he signed with the Eagles. But that says something to me about what the Steelers might be planning to do that's out of the ordinary. I'll break that down during the show, and we'll get into our topic bag about how coaches and GMs analyze players and game plans going onto the field. We'll get into that and a whole bunch more right here on today's show, which you can subscribe to on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and the app Odyssey. Remember to rate us five stars with a positive comment to help us out. And when you do, you get a shout-out at the end of the show. Don't forget to also check out another Locked On Podcast Network production, Peacock & Williamson, where NFL analyst Brian Peacock and former NFL scout Matt Williamson host Locked On Peacock & Williamson every Monday through Friday, right on the same platforms you get this podcast. Brian and Matt give you the national perspective all around the NFL, covering all the latest news and insight on every game, team, and move around the league. Let's get into it. Hey everybody, so we're going to start with a little bit of news and notes. Now, as always, we'd love to have Tony Sereno here because he'd give us the laughter, he'd give us the the straight shooting, well, you know, straight shooting when it comes to his tinfoil takes. But he'd give us some interesting takes and I can't uh, do my Tony Tuesday yell. But next week, next week, stick with us. But I wanted to talk to you about some news that broke out because it's, you know, it's it's ro- rookie camps over, like, you know, this is this is getting pretty close to the dead season, as close to of a dead season of football that you can talk about, right? So... We gotta go in and we gotta discuss uh we gotta discuss, you know, things that happened. And there was something a very small tippet that happened on Monday. And that was that uh when the Eagles signed Ryan Kerrigan, the edge rusher uh from Washington, uh, to a you know, to a deal, it was reported by Adam Schefter that the Steelers were in the running to get him. Now, it didn't say how much effort they put into it he didn't say if they were offering him a significant contract if they just called him to say hey what's up you know there's there's levels to that but Let's take a second and pause and talk about what if they were actually in the running form. What if this was Kevin Colbert saying, hey, man, I got this much amount of money. we love for you to come here and you'd be playing on a pretty competitive defense. And, you know, you'd have a chance to be in the playoffs which you haven't done much in your career. Now, for those who don't know who Ryan Kerrigan is, he is a 10-year edge rusher for Washington. He had 95 sacks over those 10 years, like 100 and several tackles for loss. Um, he's He's a bad dude. And he's one of the more underrated guys in the NFL, I think, over the past 10 years because he's played for Washington. Um, and uh, he's someone, whenever I'm watching Washington, I know that he has, he's on the field. And I know he's a threat. So, you know, I think that he, him being a free agent, he's, he'll be 33 when the se- when the season starts. Him being a free agent, you know, he was an attractive get. Uh, so the Eagles, were, you know, look good for getting him. Um, but, you know, with the Steelers go out and get a guy like that. Last year, he took over $11.6 million in cap space. Now, if you look up on any website like SpotRack or OverTheCap.com, the Steelers have about $9 million in cap space. But then you see the number effective number of cap space. Now, as I've understood that to be, hey, this is how much money you'll have really once you're done signing all your rookies and your practice squad guys. And that's just an estimation. So right now, the Steelers have about $6.5 million in estimated effective cap space. So with that space what could they do? Well normally Kevin Colbert keeps around five-ish million dollars in the bank in order to Uh, In order to, you know, say if there's an emergency, if some guy goes down during training camp, they can go and get a a free agent who's still out there. You know, just having money around and available for an emergency situation, it does work out. And then, you know, if there's an extreme situation where, like, a team like the Browns cuts a, a Joe Hayden type of player, you can do some financial maneuvering and create a little bit more cap space and go get a guy like that. And that's what happened that season in 2017. Um, but in this case, Ryan Kerrigan will be a guy that could bring in now. Kerrigan going to the Eagles, good for them. Um, but he would be and an, he would bring an edge presence to the Steelers that they still need a real third edge presence on this team. Now, I think that they've got two legitimate starters. We know T.J. Watt, you know, one of the best players in all of football. But then you got Alex Highsmith, who's a second-year player, third-round draft pick who looked decent last year, but still had a bit of growing to do. But behind those two guys. You don't have much. You don't have anything, really. I mean, you have Quincy Roche, who you're excited about, who I think can develop into a real NFL edge-rushing threat. I mean, the guy has a lot of hand moves. He seems to have very strong hands. He, he he seems to be able to get around guys and find different ways to win on the inside shoulder and the outside shoulder. I've talked about how I like Quincy Roche. I think he can be someone. But a can-be is very tough to rely on as a rookie, and especially a six-round pick. And then behind him, all you got is Cassius Marsh. And that's alarming. Because Cassius Marsh, for what we saw of him last year, was not good. Browns were running right at him. He was just abused and abused and abused. He'd be, you know, an acceptable fifth option off the edge, maybe. Um, but I would not I would not be counting on a Cassius Marsh, Marsh as one of my first two guys off the bench to help when T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith need a breather. And that's where Kevin Colbert comes into play. With looking at some of these free agents, because there's guys out there right now. There's some big names. Ryan Kerrigan was one of them. Justin Houston is another. Melvin Ingram. Trent Murphy. There's guys who are legitimate edge rushing threats who ha- who are you know they're in their early 30s, but but that's a, they're, but they're in a, still in a place where they're being effective in the NFL, and you could bring them in on one-year on, on, uh, one deals, and if you did that, you'd open yourself up for the opportunity to get an experienced guy who maybe either pushes Alex Highsmith for more starting time, or is at least the first guy off the bench when everything goes wrong. Also, Olivier Vernon, the Browns' edge rusher, would be on that list, but I think he's recovering from several injuries last year, so maybe not him. But the bottom line is that the Steelers do need help on the edge, on the depth chart. And I wrote a piece about this on DKPittsburghSports.com yesterday morning. Go check it out. This one's free. That talks about what the way that they normally address the position. Well, I want to talk about that in the next segment. Because it's not a normal situation for the Steelers to go after one of those big-name guys. It's even this late in free agency. What do they normally do and what I think they'll do Why not to this. But first, a word from our friends at BetOnline.ag. BetOnline.ag, the only place that we trust here in the Locked On Podcast Network to place bets on. Even though football season's over, there's a ton of different ways to make money by gambling on sports right now. If you go to BetOnline.ag today and sign up for your free account, you'll get a 50% bonus to your first deposit simply by entering the promo code LOCKEDON. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, LOCKEDON, all capital letters and all one word, And that will get you your 50% bonus on your first deposit. Right now, sure, the NFL is done. But you can put money down on where certain free agents might be going in the NFL. You can also bet on college basketball, the NBA, and the NHL. All different ways to get off the sidelines and get in on the action. BetOnline.ag. Remember Use that promo code LOCKEDON, L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, LOCKEDON, all capital letters, all one words, to get a 50% bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. You need a snack that's going to both help you get through the rest of your day, but also be good for you. That's where Built Bar comes in. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. They have 18 amazing flavors, including six of their newest ones, being caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisps. There's so much to enjoy, and also... Back here on the Locked On Steelers Podcast, I'm your host, Chris Carter. We're continuing to talk about things but coming out of this Monday news about the Steelers searching for edge rushers. Now, again, normally the Steelers don't make the move of going for the expensive, older edge rusher guy, or even the expensive, older anyone, just to add to their roster, especially when they're in their 30s already. And the team isn't doesn't have a whole lot of cap space, which normally they don't because they're normally paying all their guys and like I said, we estimate that the effective cap space right now is around six and a half million dollars, and again, we know Kevin Colbert's gonna want to keep at least a little bit of money around just in case they want they need to sign make some emergency signings if someone gets hurt in training camp or anything along those lines so when, you, when you're looking at this, you're like, well, one, at, at the time of this recording, we don't know what Ryan Kerrigan's contract numbers is. I'm sure it'll get reported probably like late tonight or, or I'm recording on Monday, obviously. Um, but uh, it'll be recorded late Monday, early Tuesday, sometime around those lines. And then we'll see that and we'll see how much the Eagles signed him for. Uh, again, he made $11.6 million last year. Uh, or at least against Washington's cap. So, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see how much they, they broke the bank for him. I'm not sure it's going to be anywhere near that much, especially since it was he was waited on for so long. Um, but still, the thought there is would the Steelers, if the Steelers were really in the running here, for him, how much in the running for were, were them for? They You know, were they saying, hey, we'll give you a $4 million deal, a $5 million deal, you know, somewhere along those lines? That would be probably the most reasonable you could expect. But... It's also realistic to also just think that maybe they weren't actually in the running here. Maybe what Adam Schefter's uh, revelation here, or his report, is just, hey, they called and said interest, and they said, oh, okay, bye. Like, oh, you you want $10 million? No, 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 no. We don't do that here. Uh, um, uh, But uh, there's still other guys on the market that are, like Ryan Kerrigan, would be guys that you could bring in as a vet and spell for one of the top two guys. Now, the top guys, of course, on the market are big-name guys. Melvin Ingram from the Chargers. He'll be 32 when the season starts. Justin Houston of the Colts and the Chiefs. Um, he, he'll be he'll be 32 when the league starts. There's also Olivier Vernon coming off the Browns. Again, though, he had some injuries last year. We've had some COVID issues as well. He's 30. There's more question marks there. Um, uh, there's Everson Griffin, but he's He'll be 33, and he has a lot of other stuff going on. I wouldn't mess with him. The other guy that rings out to me is Trent Murphy. Trent Murphy is a edge rusher for, for the Bills from last year. He's he's actually done a pretty good job at times. He's 30 years old. Um, he's made some some really good moves containing Lamar Jackson, and that's, of course, something the Steelers would be wanting someone to come in and provide relief for. Um, so that's pretty good. Um, Adrian Claiborne, eh, another edge rusher. He's from the Browns. He'll He'll be 33. Um, I believe Vic Beasley's still around, but Vic Beasley's always been a guy that's just been overhyped. Like when I remember when he came out, I think he came out in the Bud Dupree's year, and whew, that was bad. Like he went way above Bud Dupree, and Bud Dupree sh- turned out to be a really good edge rusher. Vic Beasley did not. Um, and then there's like guys way down the list, like John Simon, who who was with the the Patriots, or Jabal Sheard, who no, he's, he's a pit guy, and I I support pit guys as you know. But 32 years old, coming off the Giants, and Deion Jordan, the overdrafted guy, no, Bruce Irvin, who's 33 and just continues to age. Um, you know, I, again, this is what I I was gonna bring these guys up earlier, but there's still smaller guys that fit the normal. Steelers signing at this point in the year, Anthony Ciccolo and Jaron Elliott, two guys who have been on the roster, who you could integrate into your system and say, "Hey, go play special teams, just just and just be a backup for the Steelers." That's all. That's all we're asking you to do. Now they're they're not with the team right now. Um, I imagine that if nothing happens, Kevin Colbert picks up the phone, calls those guys, gives them a cheap offer right before training camp, and says, uh, "Just come in here and see what you do." And that would be more typical to the Steelers' way, especially when it comes to finding veterans this late. You know, get a guy who doesn't cost you a whole lot, who won't be expecting anything, who can help on special teams, and then... You can, and then that player not only fills a depth spot for you in backing up on the edge or backing up whatever position they play, but then they're also filling another spot for you on Danny Smith's special teams units, and that's valuable. Hey, that brings something there. You know, it's, it's very similar to how they signed Arthur Mollett, the the uh, the Jets defensive back who played slot corner and free safety. He's a guy that can help you at either spot now on the roster, and by signing him, you've have a potential to to add depth at two different spots in your game planning, as well as a special teamer. So that's normally what the Steelers would go th- go for in a uh, in a free agent signing. Uh, this, especially this late in the in the uh, in the off season, but there could be a paradigm shift, and that's what I think is just you can't ignore the possibility of this happening because the Steelers have broken the mold when people have thought that they wouldn't they traded a first round pick to get Mick Fitzpatrick. everyone said they never trade away first round picks they traded uh, they traded up several picks to go get devin bush at 10th overall they didn't trade it they usually don't trade up that high you know, even when they traded to get troy it was a different story so when i'm saying that they might do a paradigm shift here it's because they've been doing a lot of those lately and, and I don't think it's good or bad to do that. It's just a matter of hey, do you think this is the right situation? And I think, I, I, and maybe it's even wrong to, to to say it's a paradigm shift. It's just that the the Steelers they just have they don't take those shots unless they see them as a really good shot. I mean, and how many times when they've stepped out of the mold have they been right? I mean, when they traded up to get Troy Polamalu, that was out of their mold. Hall of first ballot Hall of Fame safety, you know, one of the one of everyone's favorite Steelers of all time. You know, when they traded to get Minka Fitzpatrick, loving that, it's looking very similar right now. So who's to say the Steelers couldn't right now go and get an, another edge rusher like a Justin Houston, like a Melvin Ingram, like a Trent Murphy, and say, hey, we'll pay you maybe 4 to $5 million this year to just come in and wreck shop. You'll be part of a defense that's led the NFL in sacks for four straight seasons, You'll have T.J. Watt to play with. You'll have a, an aggressive defensive front with Devon Toit and Cam Hayward taking up attraction, so you won't get double teamed. Along with again T.J. Watt, <laughs> there's something attractive there. And, and of course, we've all we've we've always heard players love to play for Mike Tomlin because they believe in this guy. Heck, Najee Harris was even talking about how he just he's just so relatable and he makes you want to play for him. So I think that it's not out of the realm of possibility that you could see one of these veteran edge guys. Now normally I tell people, guys, like I tell fans, like, hey, calm down, it ain't happening. And I'm not saying that it is going to happen. So, so fans listening, hear me. I'm not saying that they're going to go and get one of these guys for sure. But I am saying that the that the door is open if what Adam Reshefter reported is true. Because if it is, that means Kevin Colbert's keeping his eye on these guys and he may be like all right let's see how long these guys last in free agency let's see how long they hold out before they say all right uh, we'll just take this offer that's on the table so that if that happens i think the steelers would be i think it's more, that that spot is even more important than finding a slot cornerback right now i'll get to that another time I wrote another piece for DKPittsburghSports.com on why they don't need a Mike Hilton clone, just they need a, a slot cornerback who can fill certain roles. But I really think a backup edge rusher with how important stopping the run and getting to the quarterback is for this defense's success, it would behoove them To go get a guy who can spell T.J. Watt and Alex Highsmith, get them good breathers, and then all you're worrying about behind that guy is, can Quincy Roche just be decent? You don't need Quincy Roche to step up and have a mega first year as a backup. Because it was nice to hit that with Alex Highsmith and how well he performed, but it'd be unrealistic to bank on that happening several times in a row, if you know what I mean. But we will see what the Steelers do. We'll keep you updated here, right here on the Locked on Steelers podcast. We're going to take another quick break. When we come back, we're dipping into the topic bag. One of you guys asked a really good question. I want to get to that question right after this. But first, a word from our friends at rockauto.com. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everybody and are reliably low. RockAuto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than charging prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account login. Best of all... Prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do it yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write locked on, that's L O C K E D, locked on in their how did you hear about us section so that they can know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com today. back here on the Locked on Steelers podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, bringing you your daily dose of all things on the Pittsburgh Steelers. We're continuing here. and We're finishing up with a topic bag question. Now, we haven't done a topic bag for a little bit, but we're bringing it back. Of course, you know, if you want to get a question answered right here on the show, be sure to send an email to bag at gmail.com. That's bag at gmail.com. Dot com. You send a question there. Make sure your name and your full questions in the in, in the email. We'll be sure to get it on the show. Sometimes it takes a little longer, but hey, we're working to get them on the show. We have a lot of emails. So thank you for those who have sent your emails. Uh, we'll, we'll get to this one right here. And this one comes from Jay Zwolak. Jay asked a very good question. Uh, said, uh, I'm not a next-knows guy, but your player matchup breakdowns are very detailed, especially with playoff games. Your analysis of how to, how to game plan at specific positions is very thorough, but... What I'm wondering is this, do coaches use more of a statistical plan, or do they put it under the microscope like you do? Your pregame evaluation sure seems different than what we often see on the television. How far into this process do teams really go? Thanks again, Jay, for your question on the topic bag. I'll get right to that here. Um, Teams do include statistical analysis, but there's a ton more film work that goes into why the stats work. The stats can often propose an idea, an idea, a theme. And this is why I don't buy into narratives that are too stat-based, like the way that when you look, when when PFF starts saying some of the things about, oh, this stat here, and this stat here, and that means this person's bad at this. Mm-hmm. Are these stats obje- uh, objective or subjective? Because some of these stats are well, I don't. I think he won this pass rush, or I think he lost this pass rush, or I think that he did better on this play, even though it's kind of it's subjective as far as what he did there. If he didn't impact the play, and what is impacting the play, there's all those subjective questions that get into when people try to dive too hard in advanced statistics. What what teams still do is they look at the tape. I was once talking to a guy in the Steelers organization, and we were having a you know an old school debate of Ed Reed versus Troy Polamalu. And this guy worked for the Steelers, you know, but you know, and Troy's long gone, so it's not like there's any like loyalties to Troy because that's the guy that he recruited or anything. You know, I was asked like, hey, like you know, when people talk about the Troy and Ed debate, he's like, it's Troy. You see the way that he imp- that he did so many different things on the field. And one thing that I think it was Mark Schlereth brought up years ago when, when people were talking about Ed Reed and greats and and just numbers because Ed Reed's interception numbers are far above Troy Polamalu's. We get that, but Troy did so many other things. Ed Reed was a center fielder. He lined up center field. He and when they threw it deep, he picked he picked it off. Troy could do that and play underneath and stop the run and rush the passer and get the one-handed interceptions and tip the ball and jump the line of scrimmage. He did. He did all the things. And Troy Polamalu often did it in the biggest moments. And those are things that don't show up in a in a stat book. You know, one of the the Steelers don't win those two Super Bowls without without Troy Polamalu. And even though you well, what was his big play in in either of the Super Bowls? It was leading up to the Super Bowls. Remember in 2005, his, what, second year in the league? Clinton Portis catches a screen pass where he has two linemen in front of him on a huge third down play where the Broncos are trying to push and the Steelers are on the road in, early in the game. And Troy Polamalu splits the two linemen and tackles Clinton Portis with his back short of the line to gain. And that forces a fourth down that the Steelers get advantage of and they get the ball back and then they end up going on to win that game. And then we don't have to even really talk about the 2008 AFC Championship game where he leapt over the line on fourth and fourth and inches and grabbed Joe Flacco and tackled him while he was in the air. And then, of course, had the pick six that basically put the game away at the end of the game. Which, to me, is still the biggest live sports moment in Pittsburgh of my lifetime. As in, like... The game was played in Pittsburgh, and it was the dopest moment where fans got to appreciate a, a, a Pittsburgh win that I've ever seen. At least it's the loudest I've ever seen. But point being, those are things; those aren't mo- those moments get lost when you talk about stats. If you don't watch the tape, if you don't watch film, which the which the Steelers do, Jay. If you don't, if you don't ask the, uh, if you if you don't look at that, then you get lost in those things and. I think an example is look at some of the teams that try to go too statistical. The Cowboys tried to do that for a while. And it's just like, man, that, like that's not the answer there. It's not like Moneyball and Baseball where you're like, okay, let's go for these types of averages and on-base percentages and things like that. Eh, not so much. Football's a, uh, football's very much more of a chess game where you got to ma- analyze matchup after matchup and, and, and get things like that. And even though we talk about Bill Belichick as a cheater on on, on this game, Um, one thing Bill Belichick has always done is find different ways to create tough matchups for teams. You know, like the, when he was a defensive coordinator for the Giants in the 80s, I believe it was the 80s, late 80s, early 90s, around that time, but they, they, they they went up against the K gun offense of the Buffalo Bills. And he used a five man front because he was like, we're going to stop, we're going to stuff the run. Force uh, and for and for and force this other uh, quarterback to beat us. Not we're not gonna, not going to let Thurman Thomas beat us. We're going to create problems for this offense, and he found a way to do it because he found matchups that were going to be tough for the Bills to compensate for, and it worked. And that's something he does he does with the Patriots a lot too. And hey, the Steelers do this do this as well. That, that, that's why they want that's why they want to get guys like Terrell Edmonds who are big and fast and can cover and can tackle because they want to have multiple matchup assignments. That's why I think they're looking for a diverse set of defensive backs right now who can help in the slot and help as safety-type guys deeper in zone coverage because then if you have that, it makes it tougher to predict where Minka Fitzpatrick will line up. If he's not the only guy that can line up and play deep, then he can also bump down and help underneath. And when you have to account for a guy that athletic and that, that good at attacking the football, then you're much more worried as a quarterback and you're getting in your brain too much and that allows the pass rush to get there. All those type of things play into it. Now, are there stats that they they, they get? Yeah, there they absolutely are. Like like um, the Steelers. Like if you're ever at training camp, there's a computer that someone has where it's monitoring where all the players, how far they've traveled, how you know, how much they've ran, how fast they get. Like all those advanced numbers that's available to the Steelers. So absolutely, they're they're including that in their analysis. But the bottom line is still winning on the field. Can this guy beat that guy? And sometimes there's not a simple numerical way of determining that, like oh he weighs this much versus he weighs this much, he'll he'll so this guy will win. It just doesn't work that way. I've seen plays where Mike Hilton blew up Travis Kelsey, who tried to block him, and he like he would he pushed him off of him, and he would make a tackle. There's no no statistical finding for how Mike Hilton at five foot nine should be able to get through a Travis Kelsey. There's no statistical marking for how Troy Polamalu did half the things he did. It's just part of the game, which is why in my watching of the game, this is what teams really do. They look at film, they break things down, and different teams operate different way. But still, so much of this is X's and O's, matchups, and and also the Jimmys and the Joes. Because X's and O's can only take you so far if you don't have the guys to fill those positions. So, Jays Willak, thank you for your question. Stats are a big part of the analysis, but they aren't the end-all, be-all. X's and O's, winning matchups, player assignments. That's what the coaches are going to pay the most attention to. But thanks again to Jay's Wallach for his question to the Locked On Steelers Topic Bag. Remember, you can send an email to LO, as in Locked On, Steelers Topic Bag at gmail.com. That's LO, Steelers Topic Bag at gmail.com. Send an email there for your question. You'll get it right on the show. Thanks so much for listening again to the Locked On Steelers Podcast, where you can find on Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and the app Odyssey. Rate us five stars with a positive comment, and you get a shout-out at the end of the show. We'll be back tomorrow. We got... Dean and Josh, they're going to be going at it again. Millennials versus Gen X. Who will win? Find out tomorrow.